This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and we are in the Washington, I guess the media room, late Sunday night. I'm here with uh, Scott Eklund, and um, you know we were rolling some things out for, uh, for stories for Sunday and Monday uh, because the media availability for Washington right now is kind of, we're done with fall camp, so now we're starting to get a little bit into the game week routine a little bit. They're kind of going through their mock week right now. Um, but we wanted to, to spend a few minutes talking a little bit tonight about Washington's latest verbal commitment because uh, they got some great news uh, Friday night around 5 o'clock or so. There was a video that rolled out on Twitter from the account of Jacob Bandis from Pittsburgh High School in Northern California in the Bay Area. What, uh, what are we saying height and weight-wise, Scott? 6'3", um, a little over 300. Okay. And uh, it's interesting, for the longest time... Dylan Morris was was considered the highest rated, highest ranked guy in Washington's uh, verbal commitment list for for forever, and now he's been usurped by by Jacob Bandis. Uh, he's considered uh, pretty highly rated by the twenty four seven guys. I know he's a top thirty guy nationally, regardless of position, and um, I think that's there's there's four guys overall in the top twenty two four seven. People have to remember there's the twenty four seven. Ratings and rankings, and then there's the composite ones. But uh, so, so Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, those guys, they think really, really, really highly of Jacob Bandis. Uh, Scott, tell me a little bit about your initial reaction of this uh, this commitment. Oh, it's a huge pickup. I mean, Washington hasn't gotten a guy of this caliber along the defensive line. Well, you could say it was Marlon Tulia Pupu uh, who ended up. Tulia Pupu, right? Tulia Pelotu. Tulia Pelotu. Oh, I'm confusing him with the linebacker. My bad. Anyway, um, we could just edit that out, couldn't we? Um, that I screwed that never, up. Never, never, ever, ever. Yeah. Um, anyway, he, uh, um, I mean, he was the number one guy on the West Coast, but that was a down year on the West Coast. As far as this year, I mean, there's some big-time guys out here in the West, and, you know, Washington went down into Northern California, got a kid that Cal wanted badly, um, and... Uh, now, kind of the story behind that is uh, Coach Az, I don't know his full name. The, the, Azanaro? Azanaro yeah. um, was a D-line coach at Cal. Didn't offer him, didn't like him. Went down to UCLA, and that's when the new Cal D-line coach came in and offered him and made up a lot of ground. And um, it sounds like they didn't make it up enough because Washington was able to steal him right out of their backyard, out of Pittsburgh uh, High School down there. And uh, he's a really talented kid, strong, great base, uh, really quick. Uh, I think that's really what sets him apart. There's not a lot of guys that have a first step like he does. Um, he needs to learn how to use his hands a little bit better and, and do a few different things. But that, a lot of that's just technique stuff that can be taught once he gets to college. Um, put on. Uh, so I saw him after his sophomore year um, in the NorCal uh, Nike Combine, and he looked great. He was the best D lineman I saw all day that that camp okay. and then um he uh and then he shows up at the norcal combine this past spring and he looked a little sloppy meaning he had added a little bit of weight around his his gut and everything which you and i chris know a lot about being able to add that weight to our uh, gut area <laughs> but for a defensive lineman especially a senior in high school it was a little troubling but um he didn't lose really any effectiveness he didn't lose any uh, quickness or anything like that, so it hasn't really impacted his game. And then he went to the Nike uh, uh, opening, 
uh, down in, uh, I guess it's, it's not Dallas, but right outside of Dallas, wherever it was. Um, and uh, he dominated there and was the best defensive lineman at the opening. And for those who don't know, the opening is a gathering of the top players in the country from every position. And uh, he dominated and was the best guy there. So um, something definitely being encouraged about. I think he's a guy who can come in and, and push for playing time right away. Um, once he gets here um, next, uh, well, I guess it won't be. He'll get here in, in uh, either January or, or March, one of the two. He's going to graduate early and enroll. So he'll be here for spring ball, and that'll be a lot of fun to see. I was going to say, do we know if he's going to be available for winter conditioning or is it or I don't know. Um, you know, some of these kids, it's, it's hard to say. That's the benefit of Washington being on the quarter system like they are, is kids still have a chance to enroll uh, for spring quarter right before spring football starts. Um, I, I'll get a little more clarification, but I know he's going to be here for spring ball. I just don't know if he's going to be here in January or March. How much do you think that played into his overall recruitment? I mean, given how these coaches think about getting guys in early, the academic side, obviously. I mean, we just you just went through the whole thing with Ali Caho and mm-hmm. that academic you know stuff that was going on there. Um, how much do you think that ultimately played a part in this? kind of overall package when looking at Jacob Bandis. Are you talking from Washington's standpoint yes. or from okay, from Washington's standpoint, I'm sure they wanted to get the best player they can, but the fact that he's a early graduate makes it that much better cuz Washington loses 3 seniors this year along the defensive line, Greg Gaines, Shane Bowman, and uh, Jalen Johnson. All three of those guys are going to play a ton of snaps this year. Um, so really coming back next year is Levi Onwuzurike and then a bunch of freshmen. That's that's your scholarship defensive lineman. I mean, Jared Poole will be back. John Clark will be back and, and uh, Josiah Bronson. But those guys are all walk-ons right now. Are they going to be scholarship guys? We don't know yet. But, you know, so they need depth. They need to bring in guys. It's one of the reasons they took four guys last year. That's one of the reasons they're going to took four, four or five guys this year is because they need that depth. And that's really what makes what has made Washington so effective is the ability to rotate guys in and not really lose a lot. As you saw with Vita Bea, um, his first year when Danny Shelton was a senior, he was able to come in and, and relieve Danny Shelton and some of those other guys that were here. And that became the case when he was an upperclassman and, and um, you know, with Greg Gaines and, and Jalen Johnson and all these guys were able to rotate, keep guys fresh. That's what Washington wants to continue to do. And, and so you got, you've got to have six guys, really, who can come in and play. And right now they only have four scholarship guys who've ever taken a snap. Um, and they want next year, I, I guarantee you, Sam Taimani, Draco Bynum, um, Tulile Tulagasanoa, and um, Mosili, uh, Mosiah okay. Nasili Liu, at least two of those guys, if not three or even all four, are going to take snaps this year. Whether they get to redshirt or not, you know, we'll see. But you know, uh, those guys all need experience because guess what? Next year they're going to be thrown right in the fire. So um, a guy like Bandis being able to come in and be here in the spring, he's not qu- he's not going to be quite on the level of those guys, but he's not going to be as far behind them as he would be if he couldn't enroll until the summer. Now, and I think that's why they were so thrilled to get a guy like him in their program. Right. I was also going to say I agree with you in the sense that I think he really blew up the opening. I think that's when his recruitment took off, and I think that's when colleges took a second look because that initial look was, 
yeah, he's a football player, but he's too short, or he's mm-hmm. too squat, or his arms are too short, mm-hmm. or he doesn't have the prototypical length and size that we want inside to all of a sudden, hmm, yeah, he might actually be a player. I think the initial touchstone or comparison would be Greg Gaines. Uh, when you look at those four freshmen that you talked about, does he does he fit into any of the any of the roles that you think those guys are going to be playing this fall? Well, because um, that's the beauty of the redshirt. Yeah. Let's remind people the beauty of the redshirt rule, the way it exists now, is that those red sh- those freshmen can play up to four, four games, games. Yeah. a piece and still be able to maintain their redshirt. They won't burn it. So we all know they're going to play to a certain extent. Now, how much they play is ultimately going to be up to Kaika Malloy and Jimmy Lake and those guys. But do you see a a, a natural fit with the Jacob Bandis with any of these guys kind of coming through the ranks? I think think it's Thule. Um, I mean, they they look a lot alike body-wise. I think Thule's a little bit bigger, but they they kind of have that same squatty kind of look. Mm -hmm. Sam Taimani is going to play both the one and the four eye a little bit and the three tech. So um, Washington is going to rotate those guys around. I mean, if you, if you look at the way Washington plays up front last year, Vita Vea and Greg Gaines were interchangeable with, you know, a couple times they'd play a three tech and then the other guy would play nose and then they'd flip that the next play. You know, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't the same every, every week or every uh, play even. So I think you're going to see that rotate. I think Bandis could play the three or the four eye um, and be effective, but I just see, I just see a guy who's going to be able to anchor against the run, uh, cause some problems up front with penetration and all that kind of stuff. And I think he's going to fit in nicely behind a guy like Tuli. Now let's move into the 2019 class, which is obviously where Bandis is. There's already some big guys that have committed to Washington. Uh, one of them is the two-way player, Sama Paama, from Kaimuki in Honolulu. And then you've got Noah uh, Nagalu, who's also another kid from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on what they do with Sama, I mean, we're hearing conflicting reports. I mean, yeah. we thought when he initially committed that they were looking at him strictly as an offensive guy, even though he is a true two-way player. But now we're starting to hear that maybe Malloy would like to see what he could do maybe defensively. So where do you kind of see the numbers being Working now. Here. Well, honestly, Chris, I know they have a kicker committed, but I mean, did you if you saw his highlights? I mean, he's a kicker too, so maybe he comes in as a kicker. Talk about Sama. Yeah, Sama. I mean, come on. Anyway, no, just kidding. Anyway, um, he's going to be on defense, and um, I I will say this: I forgot to include him in my write up um, for Jacob Bandis and the and the impact report. Um, I only included Noah Nagalu, so. Um, I think Palm is going to be more of like in the Vita Veda role where he can play both, but he'll probably be more of a three tech uh, because of how big he is and how how tall he is, um, and I, you know that's why I think Bandis might fit more in the Thule role, more in the one, uh, you know, the nose tackle. Um, but uh, Noah Nagalu is a guy who could play any of the three positions. He he could play D end. Washington really. If you look at Washington's defense, they rarely run more than two defensive linemen in in the game. Typically, they only do three defensive linemen when there's a when they it's like a shorter yardage thing or they it's a run kind of a look or from their, a, or know. their base defense happens to be yeah, that way for a stand exactly, for, for whatever it is. But um, you know, more often than not, they've got two defensive linemen. They've got uh, four linebackers, a buck and a. Um, 
and uh, Sam, and then the two middle linebackers. And then they've got five defensive backs. Right. And especially in this conference, that's what you're doing more often than not is running nickel. So um, that being said, um, I you know it. <laughs> It gets a little crowded, and and but Noah Nagalu is a guy who go watch his film. I mean, it's sick. A guy that size shouldn't be able to move that way. But you could also say that about Paama, and you could say that about Jacob Bannis. Washington is getting some very talented guys to put in that defensive line. So now you've kind of made the argument right there that they might be done mm-hmm. because you because you're counting seven guys, seven defensive linemen mm-hmm. in a span of a two two classes. Um, yes, they lose three guys this year, mm-hmm. but you know then they'll be replacing. So, are they getting into that like for like numbers situation where they're going to take three to replace three, mm-hmm. or is there a, Would that a an Ika sense? out there, or a Tuatele out there, or another guy that could a Kaika Malloy go to Chris Peterson and say, "Hey, I need to get to, I need to go to the mat for this mm-hmm. guy because this guy's a true difference maker." Could they take one more guy? I guess is what I I'm think, saying. I think they could take up to three more guys if the right guys come along. Um, because I still think there's a chance that time that uh, Paama may p- play offense eventually. Might not come in that way, but he might go. You know that might be where he ends up. It, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Sam Taimani could end up playing guard. Right, and uh, we've seen this before. I mean, Caleb yeah. McGarry is the latest. He played throw. for an. In- well, it was half of his half of his redshirt season. He started to play offense yeah. during the bowl. Yeah, during the bowl. Game. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I I would say, from a pecking order standpoint, Fatui Tuatelli, the number one player in uh, Hawaii, and the what is he number three defensive tackle in the country, according to twenty four seven, out of St. Louis High School. He's the kind of top guy on Washington's list. Mm-hmm. Siaki Ika, uh, who, who is I think uh, Puka Ika, or, or I, forget, I, I forget what his, his uh, nickname is, but Siaki Ika is a six three two hundred or three hundred and fifty one pounder, and that's a guy. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, um, just from things I've heard from from different scouts, even though twenty four seven has Tuatelli rated higher, and he is a heck of a player. Don't get me wrong. Most people say that Siaki Ika is the prize. Out west, Alabama's big time on that guy, right. and um, I think Washington can get one of those two guys. I'm sh- I'm I'm feeling better about Fatui Tuatelli more than I am Siaki Ika. And then there's a guy that we haven't talked about a lot, and Stefan Wright, yeah. um, the the defensive end out of I think it's Cathedral down in LA. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk early yeah. about him. I honestly, he's a he's a Jalen Johnson clone to me. Um, you know, he's got that kind of length and that, that frame. Because when Jalen Johnson was recruited, he's recruited as a buck. Right. I remember that first first camp, he was running with the bucks. And he was dropping into coverage and he was doing different things. And he goes from, what was he, probably 255 when he showed up to, what is he now, 290, 295, 285, whatever he is. So he's he grew himself into an interior guy and probably into an NFL player. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to be that as a buck. Well, maybe that's uh, Stephon Wright, even though he's more projected as like a strong side defensive end in our in our uh, list out here. I think um, he's a guy who could end up as like a three technique uh, once he grows into his body and everything, you know, gets in a weight program. So I think you're probably looking at Siaki Ika, Fatui Tuatelli, and uh, Stephon Wright as kind of your last three guys to really focus on. There might be a, a wild card out there here or there. 
um, that that might pop up on our radar. You know, Washington's always talking to a bunch of different guys. There's a D lineman out of uh, Arizona that I've talked to a few times, and he says Washington's just keeping in contact with him, but they have told him basically we want to see your senior film. Well, that is coach speak to we like some other guys better and we want to see how you develop, but we also want to see what happens with these other guys. And I think that, you know, getting back to why things kind of sped up for Jacob Bandis because he wasn't supposed to make a decision this early in the process. But he wanted to get it out of the way. He wanted to lock in his spot, especially knowing that he wanted to go to Washington. But he also wanted to lock in his spot because he's an early grad. And he wanted to get that all taken care of so he could make sure that his class is matched up with what Washington needs for him to get in here early. Right. And that's one thing that maybe people don't understand is that um, you know he can contact the coaches as much as he wants during the contact periods. They can only contact him like once a week during contact mm-hmm. periods and what have you. But the but the prospect, uh, the parents or whatever, they can contact all the time. So once the commitment is made and kind of everyone knows kind of where the prospect stands, mm-hmm. then they can go. Okay, now we see your transcripts. This is what we got. You know, this is what I have to get done. So now you have both sides, the high school side and the college side, almost kind of working in concert to make sure that they can get him all of the mm-hmm. academic support. And, and know exactly what he needs to do, and so everybody is on the same page. So that's a huge benefit by making an early commitment as well. Um, just want to let people know that we're going to put this out with your blog. Uh, recruiting blog, mm-hmm. which will come out on Tuesday morning. Is that correct? No, Monday morning. Monday morning, excuse mm-hmm. me. So this will be out very early, Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And so uh, is there anything else that we need to add on, on this particular score? On this one, no, I wouldn't say so. Um you know, just be aware we're going to have some other recruiting blo- uh, recruiting podcasts and where we talk about things. I think we're going to start getting back into our weekly uh, recruiting blogs now that we're getting into the season. We'll have more weekly stuff. Just during the during uh, the uh, camp, there isn't a ton to talk about. I mean, I know other places want to talk about all these different little things that are happening, and it's it's it wasn't worth. There wasn't a lot of stuff worth analyzing and stuff because Washington, while they don't put it on the back burner, the coaches aren't out there pushing guys to commit. You know, they're 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 more worried about getting the team ready, especially for with Auburn on the schedule first thing. So um, let's be clear as well. I mean, with the crystal balls out there mm-hmm. and with the players on Twitter kind of announcing what their intentions are going to be, the, the at this point. In the recruiting process for most of the top, top guys, and Jacob Bandis was a top, top guy, is a top, top guy, there's not a lot of mystery here. Mm-hmm. They're, they're usually, if you don't have a good feeling on who their top school is, you probably have a pretty good feeling who their top five is at the worst, mm-hmm. and maybe like a top two or three. Yeah. So in that sense, like you said, when you put that in concert with the focus for fall camp, but now we're in game week mode. They're in their mock week right now, so we're kind of doing the same thing. We're, we're trying to get our stuff done a little bit here. Um, so we'll put this together for you. We'll put this together with the recruiting blog. And uh, any final thoughts, Scott? No, great pickup for Washington. Huge, um, you know, with, with the three guys they've already got listed for the D-line, I mean, it's it's big. It's big for Washington. It allows them a lot of flexibility. It allows them to possibly move Paama to offensive line down the road if, if that's where he's a better fit or they need the help. So, um, you know, just got to keep funneling guys in. Offensive line, defensive line, those need to have 
you know, four or five guys every year. Um, and not for any other reason than guys get injured a lot quicker at those positions. Um, and uh, you constantly need to have – you can't hit on everybody that you're going to recruit. So you have to have three to four guys at, on the defensive line that can rotate, rotate, rotate all the time. And you have to have some youngsters you can throw in there too. Washington has done a good job over the last couple of years. They need to continue with this going. And that this continues that trend. Yeah, and especially when you lose three seniors yeah. uh, as they're going to. So, again, uh, for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs.